and welcome to the Art of Balance podcast brought to you by Balanceology with me, Dylan Cox, and my wife, an author of the best-selling book, Burnout to Brilliance, Jane Morris. Jane is also a regular contributor to Psychology's magazine. Together, we take a light-hearted approach whilst doing deep dives into topics that we believe can help improve your day-to-day lives. If you like what you hear, you can follow us on Instagram at balanceology.uk or alternatively visit our website, balanceology.uk. Mental health is under the spotlight more than ever, especially now that we're coming out of a pandemic. And this episode is the second part of our two-part mental health special series where we talk about mental health in more detail. And today we're going to be looking at some other aspects that impact one's mental health, such as sleep and such as lifestyle choices. We hope you enjoy. Episode number 40 of the Art of Balance podcast and today it's part two of our mental health special. Just to recap, last week's episode we talked about defining mental health, what is meant by mental health and mental ill health. We explained what is meant by the mental health continuum and Jane talked about factors that may increase the risk of mental health illness in individuals and we also explained how physical health can have a big impact on our mental health and we talked about nutrition as well but today Jane we've got plenty more to cover so we've got half an hour or there and thereabouts to explain a bit more about our mental health so let's talk about a healthy lifestyle and behaviors that can lead to us making the right choices to assist healthy mental health. Yes, so we want to talk, yes, about lifestyle choices, and we're always going to cover sleep and long-term health conditions, how they affect our mental health, and then hopefully move into covering what can be changed in the workplace. We better um, do, otherwise we're going to do an episode three. Uh, part three. And we're going to be talking about this for the rest of the year, so <laughs> okay. let's, let's crack so, on. So, yeah, so what, what we mean by choices in terms of lifestyle behaviours is really... What we do in our day-to-day lives to look after our physical and mental well-being um, and where recognising actually where you do have a choice because quite often we're working from some sort of default programming, the conditioning that we've absorbed from our society, from our experiences through the school system, moving into the workplace settings most of the time and and we're kind of functioning as if we're almost like robots a lot of us, you know, just getting up, eating breakfast, drinking the coffee, getting out the door, starting the day, and doing whatever everyone around us is doing. Checking your phone, checking your yeah. phone, checking your phone. <laughs> but without checking ourselves. Yeah. So that's the bit that's got kind of missed in a lot of our um, fast-paced, busy busyness, do, 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 profit, 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 um, deadline, deadline, deadline. It's like we, we end up entering this state where our intuition's been overridden by all of the noise and when we notice that and we acknowledge that that's going on and we appreciate that then we can do something about it because when we catch ourselves going into something (laughs) when you catch yourself in that state you can then change your state you can step out of it and decide that you want to feel a different way and when you decide you want to feel a different way then you can choose things that align with that feeling that you want to have and, and and bring that about. So I think it would be helpful to talk a little bit about changing state, actually, because 
what what do I mean by that? Yeah, what, what do you mean by your state? <laughs> so, so we quite often will say, um, you know, about, uh, say, for example, children, uh, especially toddlers, toddler tantrums, for example. Oh, you know, he or she got themselves into such a state. They didn't want to eat the broccoli. They flicked it on the floor. Then they flicked the peas everywhere. Then they rolled around on the floor, kicking and screaming. And You are talking from experience. <laughs> there, <don't laughs> you? Um, so, and then the next thing, the, the cat walks in or the dog walks in and the toddlers all coos and ahs and oohs and um, change state again into being very happy and content and and we're not really any different in terms of you know some people still behave like toddlers but that wasn't my point my point was just that we can actually change our state when we notice that we're in a state we don't want to be in we can choose to be in another state so when we're in a state of busy 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 rush 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 and we catch ourselves there and we've noticed that we've sat at our desk, our lunch has come and gone, we've munched down a sandwich because everyone around us has done the same, and we're like, oh, hang on, this is not this is not what I want to be doing, this is not good for me. You can literally imagine, standing up from your desk, just imagine that if you were to step away from your desk and there was a circle to the left of you or to the right of you that was a potential for feeling a different way, that was the opposite of feeling stressed. So just think, what's the opposite of feeling stressed for you, Dylan? Uh, feeling relaxed. Yeah, okay, so feeling relaxed. So imagine you get up, you step to the side, you might like to try this out while we're suggesting it. Um, what does it feel like when you are relaxed? Now you might want to think of a time when you felt relaxed to help this be even easier for you. So Before I met you, yeah. It was probably like 20, <laughs> 22 years ago, yeah. Okay. I was so relaxed back then. God, you could have gone far way back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so take yourself to a place 22 years ago no, when you joking. felt relaxed um, and feel what you feel, sense what you sense in your body, notice what you notice, what are you hearing, what are you seeing, what are you feeling? 22 years ago when you were relaxed <laughs> just feeling a lot less tense in my shoulders and my and my back and just feeling a lot calmer mm. and what happens when you notice that calm where do you feel that in your body around my stomach area i guess yeah in in that area and if it had a color what color would it be light blue okay so just Playing with that light blue feeling, allow it to expand in your body a bit like if you're turning up a dimmer switch in a room and flood your system with that calm blue feeling. So feeling it all the way to the top of your head, all the way down to the tips of your toes, tips of your feet, fingers. How was blue? Dum, 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 dum. Is that song? So on a, on a scale of one to ten, how, how relaxed are you feeling at the moment? Yes, very relaxed actually. Um, probably an eight, an seven eight. or an eight. Yeah. Okay, so pretty up there, so pretty relaxed. So what I would do next with Dylan, if he was with me um, in a room and I was working with him, I would ask him... Wouldn't to, waste my money, mate. I would ask him to notice that if he sat back down at his desk and sort of shook that calm feeling off, how he could easily, you know, come out of that state. But equally, he could step back into it again. And he could step back into it again and he could really turn it up a notch and then bring it back with him when he went to sit down so that it lasted for longer and notice that he could reignite that feeling whenever he wanted to and the more that he did that the more he'd realize that he could choose how he wanted to feel in any moment and do yeah. you know do things take the behaviors that would align with deepening that feeling and that experience and so it might be then you decide to 
go for a walk or do something else and I was just getting confused because you're like talking about me in the third person. The third. <laughs> just like, am I here? What's happening? But yeah, that is really powerful. Actually, you did it for me the other day, um, and it's it's great because in a situation where I might feel stressed now, mm. I can recall that and actually kind of step into that place and relax myself, which is really helpful. Yeah, and which is really good for your mental health, right? Because you're then, you've got a tool there to be able to change the way that you are approaching something that routinely you would have just fallen into the same um, habit of doing. Yeah, yeah. And with that, you can build your confidence to challenging the norms around you. So I think one of the hardest ones, the reason I mentioned about everyone around you eating their sandwiches, because it's the one I hear the most, is that people find it really hard sometimes to get up from their desk and take breaks because they feel like they're being observed by everyone around them they're going to be um, labeled as being lazy or not taking things seriously enough or not working hard enough or all the other things that we make up and quite often won't feel like they have permission to step away either because there isn't maybe the collective permission because everybody else is staying tied to their desks it's just what we do here it's part of our um culture um or if there is a hierarchy in the workplace if the the manager whoever the boss is you know if they don't take breaks then it sets the tone that that's not something that's acceptable um and and it goes back quite a lot of the time to how we would have felt as a school child you know that if if the, the teacher says we can't do something we better not do it because otherwise we might get in trouble so and it's, it's like the that. kind of group mentality as well, yeah. isn't it? You kind of don't want to be the odd one out. And yes. It takes some confidence and yeah. some boldness to be able to stand up and just go, I'm going for half an hour. I'm going to yeah. actually use my half an hour break that I don't get paid for. I'm going to go outside and do <laughs> and something. do something with, for yeah. me. Yeah. Or, or eat in a less stressful environment. Um, yeah. So, and, and that varies. Our ability to, to do that, it can be different from work culture to work culture in terms of, the um, culture, like say for example in Japan, social cohesion and that sense of group belonging is much stronger on the cultural um, index than it is in the UK. So it really matters in a typical Japanese working environment um, whether or not the group adhere to what has been sort of set up as the the rules of belonging in that system, and so. When we were living there, and I know this was a long time ago, and so hopefully things have maybe shifted a bit since then, but everybody would stay at work until the boss left because there was an unwritten rule that you didn't leave before the boss went home. We kind of got a free pass because yeah. we were, we were, <laughs> we were British. foreigners. Yeah. yeah, yeah. so that did help. We, <laughs> we managed to get out the door at a good time, but, um, but the rest of them, bless them, because they hung on in there. And uh, they even have hotels for set up for that for when people have overstayed at the office and just need to get a few hours before they're due in literally a few hours later again in the next morning which yeah I'm hoping that that has changed because that um that was a long time ago but I'm imagining it's still there in a in some shape or form so talking about that talking about um needing a few hours rest Mm. How about sleep? What about the quality of our sleep and how does that directly affect our mental health? Yeah, so it is, uh, it's a big one. I, I am I'm quite the advocate of the odd power nap, as you know, because 
for some people, power naps work really, really well. For other people, they don't. It's really a case of trying out, testing it, seeing maybe a shorter nap agrees with you better than a slightly longer nap and, and giving it a go. But sleep directly affects our mental health because when we're well rested and we get sufficient sleep, our bodies are better able to repair themselves and function healthily. And then our brain depends on good sleep because it's what it needs to process emotional information on a daily basis. And also it's the time when we settle our nervous system. And um, and if you think about sort of the typical fight or flight state that gets triggered in these adrenaline fueled lives of ours, um, then that can be the best medicine often to help counterbalance um, the stress response that hasn't had a chance to complete that cycle. I'm sure some listeners can empathise with the fact that that most people aren't getting enough sleep. I mm. think that's a fair enough statement, isn't it? In, yeah. in our kind of society, people just aren't getting the kind of sleep because of technology, because of stress, because of the pressures of the modern world. And because it's been normalised as well. Tiredness has become normalised. Fatigue has been normalised. Think on all the advertising around us for yeah. um, various different drinks, brands and pills that you can pop. So it's sort to... of championing people to not get sleep. It's like, yeah. get get some extra energy, keep going for longer. Mm-hmm. But a- Along with the, the kind of badge of honour work culture, yeah. like, you know, competing almost to, as to who can brag about how little sleep they've had as if that's like a a sign of how amazing you are or strong you are or something it's but all all of your cognitive function is like reduced or impaired when you don't have enough rest or sleep yeah and And it has really negative psychological effects yeah and so and so what like what are those big impacts on the mental health when you're just like say you're, you're you're getting by every day on like four or five hours sleep we start to become really emotionally fragile because we just our toleration of things goes down we become snappier we become more um irritable we actually ironically find it harder to sleep well and to drop into the deeper rem restorative sleep um when we're overly tired and then we're and we're still wired and then we have to get back up again a few hours later so it's not restorative people aren't getting the deep rest which is restorative for the mind and for the body as well so if you've been doing exercise or you're doing a physical job or um your body is injured from something it it can't fully heal itself if it's not getting a decent amount of sleep and i think part of the problem is that we can't so we're working hours typically that are longer than what um is healthy for us um, physically and mentally but then we get home and it's hard to to switch off from the overstimulation we've had during the day but what do we typically do <laughs> drink alcohol watch Netflix watch Netflix like as a, as a society at large that's what the, ch- the typical patterns now are and so that's not really helping us to relax and we're still being stimulated with the screen that we're, that's in front of us and we're, so, so people then end up watching more for longer because they're still not feeling like they've managed to decompress from their day so they end up staying up later then then they can't when they get to bed they're even more tired and wired so they can't get off to sleep and that's why everything's um, out of whack right yeah. especially if you've got children or something and you've come home and you've got to do the bedtime with them or yeah. dinner or tidying up and all those things your time for yourself or you and your partner is shrinking yeah. and 
there is a kind of feeling of not not entitlement at all, but a feeling of like I deserve some time to my. Yeah. I've been giving everything to my job. I've been giving yeah. everything to my family. I just would like to sit down and relax. Have but then if that's a, that doesn't come until ten o'clock, and yeah. you need to be up at six or six yeah. thirty, you're only giving yourself twenty minutes, and yeah. that doesn't feel restorative, does no. it for somebody? No. But the most restorative thing to do then, instead of watching more Netflix, would be to say have a bath. Or shower, read a book, read a book, draw. You know, might like just you know, whether it was one of those sort of mindful type books where you colour in lots of tiny little bits of a picture. Or I'm more of a fan of just free flow drawing. Like just grab some pastels and paper, see what happens if you allow different shapes to form. They don't need to resemble anything or look like anything. Just express how you're feeling onto a page or journaling. Some people find that massively therapeutic. So when you were burning out. Like, getting off to sleep is quite difficult because your head is still, like, going around in circles about all the things that you're, you've got to do, that you need to do tomorrow, that you have done. and For some people. Yeah. I, 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 it was more for me. I, I could get off to sleep okay, but then I would wake up. Yeah, you would wake yourself up with those with, thoughts. With, like, yeah. um, ideas and with yeah. unfinished business that was in my head from, yeah. So, so if, we, if we isolate those two things, if you look at, what about for people who actually, okay, I've identified I need to get to bed earlier, mm. but once I'm in there, I just can't switch off yeah. and go to sleep. And then what about the people that, they okay, they go straight off to sleep, but then their mind suddenly springs to life at yeah. three in the morning. <laughs> it's like, I think the reality is when there's still stuff there that we're holding in our head, we need a helping hand to, to kind of somehow get it out of our head and, and put it somewhere else. So whether that's a case of writing down bullet points, because I think a lot of the time for some people it's fear of forgetting the thing that's come to them. So actually making a note of it, um, knowing then that you can go off to sleep and let it go because it will be there written on the page in the morning to prompt you. Um, Or, um, like I said before, if it's like a just a kind of build up of, of stuff, but not necessarily ideas or facts or figures or you're just wanting to to switch off then drawing um, or writing or any of those sort of art processes, artistic processes can really help to take us out of our head and, and drop it into our body. And, um, and that is, other, other people find meditation really helpful, um, whether it's a guided meditation or some sort of learnt practice. It's worth playing with that um, because quite often that, it's not like a one size fits all, a bit like anything else. There are lots of different ways to approach that. And obviously at 12 o'clock at night, it's maybe not that easy to go for a walk, depending on where you live. Um, but for some people, walking is meditative. You know, meditation can take many forms. Um, and you don't need to follow a certain dogma. I think, and I think there's something um, uh, primal or instinctive, I don't know the word, sorry, that we we need to walk or to do something to clear our mind because um, you, what you'll find is like, I think, you know, running and cycling is just an extension of that. It's kind of, or driving. Some people like just to go for a drive yeah. on, in their car or on the motorbike just to have that time to, I, I remember a friend's dad when I was a kid, sometimes just used to go out for a drive and he'd be like, oh, my dad's gone for a drive. And I'd be like, well, where's he gone to? And it was obviously his way of just being yeah. able to, to get out and just to, you know, just clear the mind a bit. Yeah. And, um, I think there is something that's ingrained in us. That yeah, the movement. The movement. It's about the movement and again, isn't it? Yeah, just, yeah. Yeah, just the, the, the more sort of gentle martial arts can be really great for that as well, or yoga. Um, you know, just very 
mindfully moving your body and and again it comes back to dropping into the body and out of that thinking space where we spend so much of our time often so what about if somebody has a long-term health condition how does that affect their mental health chain well the reason i wanted to include this is because um for many people if there's a physical um ailment that has been there for a long time there will be a journey that that person goes on either making peace with their limitations um or maybe being happy you know being content and accepting of it at some stage but then getting very frustrated about it and feeling you know that there's a, a that frustration maybe builds and they start to feel angry and resentful and um, and so quite often that can have a negative impact on our mental health when there's something like that that's been going on in the background and I think this is worth mentioning because it can can sometimes be linked to like the fact that they can't participate in activities they can't um they may be limited in different aspects of their life like I know somebody for example who struggles so badly with the repetitive strain injury that um they now can't create the the the, the reports and the things that they used to love doing and um, resources and things that there just isn't the technology yet to to replace what they need what they used to be able to do using their hands you know and, yeah it can sometimes feel like part of somebody's passion that they would otherwise find fulfilled is taken from them so it's... I know yeah because I've had a client with who's had deep frustration because they've got a chronic pain issue Mm -hmm. that no one can seem to diagnose and it's just affecting their mental health in the way that they they're trying to be positive about it but they just can't get to the bottom of it and doesn't seem to be any reason why they're experiencing this chronic pain and it's um yeah it's it's a very tough one to manage in that sense but again it's just about and our work together has been just about looking at what we can work with and yeah. not focusing on the kind of the, the the negative stuff so yeah very interesting stuff so Jane if we now segue from that into what you can do in mm-hmm. in the workplace and um, for yourself and for others yeah to ensure that people's mental health is considered yeah. and also is in a good place yes. as good a place as it can be yeah I think the we sort of touched on this earlier in terms of um it does take um an an amount of confidence to challenge the status quo really um but but being a shade braver each day in doing what you need to do for yourself to help support you that might be about you know you've got your legal um allowance for for time uh the ratio is not nearly enough as far as i'm concerned but (laughs) but it's there nonetheless being brave enough to use it and take it for you, for your self-care, which ultimately brings you back as a better employee. You know, when we give ourselves the chance to restore, we actually come back able to access better, you know, creativity and we're more refreshed, we're more focused, we're more productive. So actually looking after you is looking after your work as well. And, and, And definitely in terms of in our home life. So when we look after ourselves, we're better partners, we're better mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, you know, we we are more able to hold whatever else is going on in our lives when we're filling ourselves up enough that we're giving from a place of plenty rather than this state of running on empty that everyone is often 
trying to survive in. Um, and if, if it feels a bit daunting to say, take that lunch break every day or take a break during the day at some point to get out of the office, maybe don't put your pressure on yourself to do it every day. Just start small first and then get the feeling for it. And I, th- I guarantee almost people will just get used to it. Yeah, it's and just then, about breaking it because yeah, you then start yeah. giving permission and other people will then, to other people. Yeah, exactly. And, and it is also about having those conversations. Um, start with the, the, the people you've got more of a, com- a connection with and feel a bit more comfortable to sort of float it out there, to start challenging that thinking and that conditioning um, and, and maybe get somebody else on your side that would be willing to be brave enough so that you go for lunch together or, you know, it depends obviously on different people, different shifts and rotors and all that stuff, but where possible, get others on your side so that you can collectively start to change things because then you can gain a bit more momentum around it. And, and if there is a hierarchy in the, in the place, which often there is, you can take it up to the next level to actually ask for what would really bring about positive change in the setting and if you're looking at this from the top down start noticing what you're modeling to those around you because even without consciously being aware you know what you're not doing as much as what you are doing is affecting others was it you and I'm sure it was you because who else would I talk to this about (laughs) that at a place that you were consulting for maybe somewhere you worked in the past you took a meeting out on a good day, on a nice day when it's sunny and stuff and there's some outside space at that office. You took the meeting outside and you did a standing meeting outside. And it's not just about the breaks, it's about using some creativity. And, yeah. you know, you know, if we're going to talk about, let's go for a walk and talk yeah. about this thing rather than yeah. be sat around a desk in a boardroom or something. Yeah. It's possible to do that. And, yeah. and it's just kind of the equivalent it, it, of going out for a coffee with someone and meeting them for a business lunch or whatever. But taking it, you know, in a out into nature, if the, if the day... Uh, permits it you know if the weather's good and yeah. you've got the space but it, and even just a change of setting and it, yeah. in and of itself even if it's in the same building getting into a different room yeah just a different it helps to stimulate um that but yeah. we also wear these cloaks when we're in our office right yeah. that like if you're sat at your desk you're that person you're in yeah. that mode but if you just take yourself outside yes. of that yes. maybe more creativity yeah. can flow uh, so, i've been sharing that as well for those who who remote work because quite often we think, oh, we're, we're tied to the Zoom function, the Zoom call, and we can't, you know, we have to be able to see the person and be at home talking to them. And actually, you know, switching the camera off, taking it outside, whether you just sat in your garden, whether you actually, you know, you go hands-free and go for a walk just around your neighbourhood, get into, you know, somewhere nicer if possible, but, you know, you've obviously just got to be aware of signal strength and all of that side of things, but... And yeah. I'd say from a mental health perspective, because this has affected me in the past when I've worked from home um, in previous jobs, is the the feeling of guilt when you're like, you know, you're not in your sort of work clothes, you're walking around maybe on the phone with your headphones in. And, and I, I, it affected me, so maybe it affects others. You feel like, oh, he's not working today, or <laughs> what's he's off again? He's just walking around. And it, there's this feeling like, the only way you could be possibly working is if you're in an office or you're in a dedicated space in your house working from home. And that might not affect everybody. Some people may be fine with that. But for me, I'm sure there's others out there. Yeah. Please tell me there's others out there <laughs> that feel this little bit of kind of like, oh, God, people are judging me for, you know, taking a phone call in the park. It's fine. I survived and no one judged me. So no one cares. Yeah. Rain <laughs> in that self-critic. And yeah, definitely. I think often it's the, the, the internal... 
person that we need to be brave to stand up to more so than the the ones on the outside and if, if we can stand up to the what we've been told by that little person on our shoulder internally then we can stand up to the ones outside they're not actually as scary as we think so what's been great to see in the workplace recently Jane is and we've both done the training is that now workplaces have mental health first aiders they have a well-being lead or someone who is responsible and and takes up the role of being the person to go to if you have some sort of mental health issue whether they've been trained specifically in it or not and could you just talk a little bit around that? And, and if you're in an organisation, maybe you don't know who that person is. I mean, it's probably quite easy to find it out, but how you could go about getting somebody qualified at least. Yeah, well, it's person. definitely worth exploring if you don't, if that's not there, then starting to ask the questions, how might we bring this in? What else could we do for our team's well-being? Getting, um, getting people's ideas, like literally opening up for people to throw their suggestions into the hat there's so much that that can be done and it doesn't need to be extortionately expensive but it can make such a huge difference makes a difference to the the culture of the setting it makes a difference to and the feeling of being valued when voices get brought in and ultimately when we bring in support systems we all benefit because if, if we have things there that are helping, a lot of the time with mental health, um, the, 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 so much comes from just being able to talk about it and being able to be transparent and get it out there and shift the stigma around it. And, and so we really need to s- start shifting towards cultures that care. And the more conversations we have, the braver people are to talk about it, the more you're willing to do what you need to do to look after you and give permission to others and model what's possible for others too, the quicker that will happen and the better our workplaces will be and the less of these problems and the less burnout that that people will be experiencing. So, Yeah, that really resonates for me, Jane, because when we feel that others genuinely care about us and that our contributions, whether in a kind of work context or any other setting, are, are kind of acknowledged and I guess they're valued as well, Um, then we definitely have better mental health. It's been really interesting talking about this with you today. And um, I think it is just really beneficial to us to nurture and encourage positive relationships because at the end of the day, we're humans, right? And we all feel much more safer and secure and able to share, um, I don't know, I guess like our challenging situations um, with others around us. And if we can do that from the beginning... Um, then we can start finding solutions um, and support for whatever somebody is going through. So um, just having a culture of sharing and a culture of being able to feel comfortable because the worst thing you can do is hold it in and not be able to share it. And then sometimes that can have a really negative impact. So Jane, that's the end of this two-part mental health special from us. And we hope that everybody's enjoyed it and found something useful in there. Yeah. So take care and we'll catch you next week on the Art of Balance podcast. Bye. Well, that concludes our two-part series to mental health. Two special episodes there, episode 39 and today's episode, episode 40, talking about all of the things that impact our mental health and what we can do to help safeguard it, protect it and promote positive mental health. 
We really hope you enjoyed that. And if you want to find out more about the work we do, don't forget you can head on over to our website, balanceology.uk. We're the same on socials, Instagram and LinkedIn. So find us there for the latest information. And don't forget, if you enjoy these podcasts, it would be amazing if you could go over to the place where you download them from, be that Apple Podcasts or Spotify or any other provider that you download it from and leave a rating, a review. That would be huge to us because it would help to grow our community and spread the good news that Balanceology has to bring every week or there and thereabouts. Anyway, that's all from us today. We'll catch you next time on the Art Balance podcast. In the meantime, have a great week. Enjoy the sunshine if it's out where you are and we'll catch you soon. Bye.